Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au.
3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally Goldner, first broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR broadcasts from the lands of the Kulin Nations and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander peoples listening in by whatever means and um, of course all the lands on this um, extended archipelago were stolen and never ceded. And um, we opened up today um, appropriately with um, Midnight Oil and Gadigal Land. Welcome to all, um, welcome from all the lands to all the people on all the lands. Thanks to James, a part of the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the Marine News, as Out of the Blue does every Sunday morning from 11.30 through till noon. And um, James mentioned um, invertebrates and sea slugs. Um, no, that is um, any linkage to right-wing nut jobs is totally denied in those comments. Um, anyway, um, if you want to get in touch with the show... Um, you can um, do it by lots of means. You can hit the Gmail out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456 751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And one week to SummerSlam and that John Cena promo on SmackDown last night was awesome. And look for posts on Facebook on um, out of the pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne and also um, on my page, Sally Goldner. And any opinions that I express on the show are strictly my own and not those of any organisation with which I've been associated, past or present. And, well, um, we opened up with Midnight Oil. And, well, um, welcome to all the lands and to all the parts of the rainbow. And as an educator... Um, when I we talk, um, I mentioned the term something like LGBTIQA+. Generally, people have a pretty good idea of LGB and Q, and once they see the terms for the A, they know what that means, and they might ask some questions about trans. But a lot of times, people will say, what's intersex? What's the I? Never even heard of it. Well, that is indicative, sadly, of where things are at, that unfortunately, um, around the world and in this country that is now called Australia, there is not enough awareness of intersex and progress on intersex-specific issues. But there is beginning to be some light at the end of the tunnel. And to join me um, on the show to discuss this today is the president of Intersex Peer Support Australia and a board member of Intersex Human Rights Australia, Tony Briffer. Tony, welcome to 3CR. Oops. Um... Sorry. We're... Hello, and thank you for having me. We had a slight technical hitch there. Um, yeah. Yep, good to have you um, on the show, Tony. Um, just to clarify things, um, I use the pronoun she, her. Can I check in with which pronouns you use, if any, because I want to respect oh. all parts of you, including your gender identity. Okay, and this is a really triggering question for intersex people. Ah. Because from the, which you believe, so from the very moment I was born, the whole question has been well, what's your sex, which is basically what we're getting at when, when you ask pronouns. So I hate this question. I'm sorry, um, Because it's, it, no, that's okay. Because, you know, as I said, from the very moment I was born, doctors were asking, well, well what is it? Is it, is it male or female? Um, 
that's not very nice. What is it? But that's what happened. And um, mm. then, you know, all the subsequent tests and all that sort of stuff to work out, you know, what my sex is. My, my pronouns are, you know, Tony, she, her, whatever. Um, but that, that's all that's all good. Yeah. It's And it's not about my gender. To be perfectly honest, I really got no idea about the whole gender thing. But but <clears throat> my it's it's about sex for me um and my physical sex is well mainly female um certainly i've got some some male sex characteristics because you know i am an intersex person but um my body is predominantly female i was raised female um socializes female and all that sort of stuff and um so yeah fit the female pronouns are more appropriate fair enough then and totally valid too, of course. Everyone's experience <clears throat> is their own, and the response that you gave is quite um, about pronouns. Is of course needs to be affirmed that some people oh, um, don't want you know, to talk about that, and also <clears throat> that we acknowledge, of course, that some sex, body, including sex characteristics, are separate parts of a human to gender identity and gender expression. Yeah, and I certainly respect everybody, you know, and, and their gender identity. For for me, the reason I say I don't really have a good concept of it is because I guess I've been so stuffed around by the doctors and all that sort of stuff. Plus, you know, having a body that's, you know, a combination of, you know, female and male sex characteristics, it's like, well, I just, I just am what I am. And I don't exactly have a strong sense of being, you know, male or female, particularly given that I'm not really physically exclusively one or the other. Which, you know, gets us right into intersex and um, also, you know, issues with the medical profession. And what prompted me to get you on, well, we'll say at this time, not necessarily between noon to one every Sunday, but um, at this time um, was a few weeks ago we had an announcement from the Victorian government that there is movement, well, my, my words, there's movement towards um, intersex reforms, which is incredibly um, well, I'm guessing is incredibly welcome, in, at least in principle. But um, as someone with that lived experience and lived expertise, it was really important that we hear from someone in that situation. So when you <clears throat> saw that announcement, what went through your mind? And perhaps, dare I, I might also add, what went through your heart? What, what, you know, tell yeah, us look, about it's, that. It's, it's been a long time in, in the making. It's very exciting. We've got a, we've got a very strong Victorian government that's you know supportive of intersex human rights and the minister Martin Foley in particular, um, wonderful guy, really supportive of, of intersex people and our human rights. So essentially, what's happened <clears throat> is, <clears throat> excuse me, that for the past X number of decades, including when I was a child, um, an intersex person is born and doctors assign a sex, they reinforce that sex surgically. So unlike you know, trans kids or other kids, with us, anything goes. So, like, I was, I had my gonads removed without my consent as a child. <clears throat> I had hormone interventions as a child without my consent. All of these things are deferrable. All of these things are not medically required and irreversible. And yet they just happen as a, as a matter of course. And they still happen today. This is the thing that I mm. really want to stress because people think that these things stopped happening in the mm. 70s or whatever. No, they still happen today. Even things like having a girl that has an intersex variation where her clitoris is deemed to be a little bit too big, would you believe as a little girl that they're subjected to having surgeries to reduce the size of their clitoris? Like 
what the hell is the medical need for that? So yeah. <clears throat> thankfully, the government is introducing, well, we'll be introducing legislation. Um, it's still to be, to be drafted yet, but they've committed to it <clears throat> to prevent those irreversible deferrable interventions from happening. And then with a, a range of other interventions that if they were to proceed or if doctors believe that they need to be need to proceed because of medical issues, um, then they go through a panel process to get approved. And that panel process includes um, intersex advocacy and human rights issues as well. Yep. Lot, lots <coughs> in there first. And I should say that we are mentioning forms of interphobia and um, should give, I um, just forgot to do that content warning a bit earlier, my apologies, but if anything is um, distressing, please reach out for help, um, perhaps including um, services like QLife, which in turn includes Switchboard on 1800 184 um, 527 around the country, Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania. So there's lots um you know, sort of going on in there, there was one question I wanted to clarify. Obviously, as an infant or a young <clears throat> child, you, you know, couldn't have given consent. Um, were though your parents or guardians at the time given an informed choice as well, you know, as well, or was it sort of pushed? You know, what happened there? Parents are lied to. They're basically, mm. well, not basically, they are. They're told that if we don't remove your child's gonads, they could result in cancer. <laughs> so if you tell a parent that, you know, we need to cut their arm off because otherwise they're going to get cancer. A parent will agree to cut their arm off. And this is what happens with the, with our gonads. Mm. So but my parents, for example, were told that, yeah, if, if we don't remove her gonads, they can become cancerous. So we're going to have to remove them. And as a parent, you take <clears throat> you take the advice of, of the, the, the doctors because, you know, they should know better. So, no, I, I don't consider that to be informed consent. Right. I, I I wanted to clarify, you know, clarify that, um, you know, that this is part of the, you know, another part of the puzzle that parents aren't given informed consent, but vulnerable young people, you know, particularly <clears throat> seven days old or however, um, yeah. you know, are put in that position. It's you know, obviously, you know, the, the overwhelming sense of devastation, well, obviously for the person with the intersex um, variation you know, is physical, psychological, emotional, sexual later on, um, sorry, comma, sexual later on, and then also the you know, the pressure that it puts on parents when it found out that they've been lied to and they might feel like they've let their child down and all that sort of thing. So it's a huge thing. Oh, absolutely. Thing. You know, we've, in the sport, we've got this one one parent, and I'll never forget speaking with her. She's She's had two, well, she had one daughter with, with an intersex variation, and doctors pressured her into having her daughter's gonads removed after you know, only days old. So she, the mother was actually still in hospital having given birth and pressured to, to consent to this surgery, um, which she did because doctors, you know, again, said to her that, well, if the gonads aren't removed, they can become cancerous. So she agreed to that. And then she's pregnant with child number two and she's really contemplating, well, how do I tell child number two that, well, how do I tell child number one that I'm sorry, I've I, I consented to having your gonads removed, but you know, child number two, there's no way that I'm going to be consenting to that. Mm, that's that is a, yeah, that's a really <clears throat> difficult thing that you know that the parent is put in that position of you know sort of differential treatment, and it would be very hard to you know explain that to 
child number one, even you know later on with a degree of adults will say um, emotional intelligence, and um, it does beg beg the point: is there has there been ways thought about in that situation? You know, are there sort of guides to this? I know, you know, I know it's no, it's obviously no one's fault, but after the fact, when I say no one's fault in the family, um, how do people deal with this after the fact? Well. Having peer support is really important. So mm. having, you know, not rushing into making decisions, having parents um, contact the support group and meet other parents of intersex children, meeting intersex adults, all of that's really, really important. So like they're making decisions based on, you know, a position of actually of, edu- of, of an educated position where they know what's going on. So, um, and there was no rush. There's there's no rush in mm. removing gonads or keeping gonads that so they can monitor thing you know health um and look that the science and the statistics on how cancerous gonads are in sex children uh, the, the risk really escalates after puberty not not as a child anyway so they're basically just trying to remove any ambiguity and doing the whole you know making sure that a child doesn't have any ambiguity about them making sure that you know if it's a girl has got all the female bits, typical female bits, mm. and a boy has all the the male bits, and you know anything that that is different is removed, which is just horrible. Mm. I mean, it's it's almost like you know if the child was was gay and they could do surgery to remove the the gayness that that they would, and, and that that's and that's again why you know intersex really does, in my humble opinion, fit into the whole LGBTI spectrum, and that is mm. because. All of us in the LGBTI community are affected by this old-fashioned stereotypes of what it means to be male or female. And being female means that you have a female body, that you're straight, that you identify as female and nothing else, etc. And if you're male, you know you're mm. you're you know hetero and you're very masculine and you don't have any female you know feminine traits, etc. So it's we're all this we're all in one big happy rainbow family as far as I'm concerned, and. Um, yeah, it's it's disgusting that they that surgeons are able to try and homogenise us, if you like, you know, try and remove mm. any diversity uh, within us. And we, we just we just natural born variations. It's it's not it shouldn't be considered a pathology. Oh, look, abs- absolutely so. And I mean, you know, when you mentioned the word ambiguity, it's like I felt like saying with well, um, in t- I'll say polite. What am I trying to say with dry humor? And the problem with ambiguity is, you know, this idea that we're, yeah. there's two boxes of nearly four billion and that one box of four billion is all exactly alike and the other box is all exactly alike is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. And I think you also if... wanted, I like your comparison to would we remove gayness or lesbianness or bisexualness in inverted commas? Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. 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 If they could, they, they probably would. Well, um, the... That's but I guess if you look at the statistics or the results of this week's census, you'll probably find that there won't be any intersex people. <laughs> well, look, um, content. I'm going to say content warning census. I have. To, I yes. thought that yeah. I was a relatively strong person when it came to resilience, emotional intelligence, and I was incredibly triggered by the census on Tuesday night, as were yep. lots of queer people and yep. allies as well. And particularly, I think, for transgender diverse and intersex, there was that commonality that the question was asked was so appalling and limiting and erasing. And, well, you can probably hear my tone of voice going up a bit because I know I can and I'm sure the listeners can too. And just, 
you know, when you when you say people trying to force as people not to be ambiguous, it is that politicians, yeah. bureaucrats, religion, media, blah blah blah, playing their games with other people's lives. And, and I really want to stress that it wasn't even the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Yes. They have done so much work with us, and I've, I feel like I've wasted so much of my time, frankly, uh, working working with them. And they were brilliant. And it was it was actually the the, the SCOMO politicians that that got involved and that that vetoed any questions that would actually have have recognised our communities. Absolutely. So. I mean, if you're a single person who's gay, lesbian, or bisexual, you've been raised um, as well. Yep. Um, and, you know, as I say, a trans woman like myself, sure, I can put female, but that doesn't talk about trans. And we all, you know, the implications have been well discussed. Um, but it's yep. a question of what action, at least where, um, in the last week, um, Labor has announced they will, if they are re-elected in whatever the next election is, will um, want to do better. But... Of course, there's lots yeah. of ifs in there, as we all know. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs, but we'll see. So, like, yeah, my, you know, my wife and I, at least, we were able to put down that, you know, two women married in a relate, you know, in in a household, or whatever. Um, but nothing was captured about being, you know, having a variation of sex characteristics. Yep, um, we've had one of our we. Um, you know, some radio programs and have regular listeners. We only have awesome listeners on all three CR <laughs> shows, and one is Hoffler. Um, who's made a number of comments. I just want to come in and acknowledge that. Um, nice that Tony is so open about pronouns. Honesty is the best policy. And, um, well, you know, I'm going to say content warning, um, not so much for the question itself, but the broad topic here. Um, and you can decline to discuss it, but um, we are going live. So Hoffler has said, quote, what does Tony think of having more intersex athletes at the Olympics? It reminds me of the South African Olympian, all the controversy when Casta Semenya completed and won gold. She won the 800 metres in 2016. Um, so there's that There's that lot of comments. And then Toffler's also added, weird census, why ask about military service? Hilarious. So lots, um, lots in there on, of course, on yep. this issue of athletes, which you know, um, intersex, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely talk about intersex athletes, but I, I won't specifically talk about Casta because she's not exactly well, she hasn't come out and about mm. intersex variation or whatever. So, and I'll certainly respect that, but <laughs> it's really frustrating. If a firstly, it's it's funny that there's no issues with intersex men competing, mm-hmm. no. So, if you're an intersex male competing, you're a man, that's fine, but if you're an intersex woman, then you know, you're, you're bad and you have to be, you know, you have to be excluded and your whole sex, your whole gender, everything is comes into question. It is disgusting what they make people do. So even to the point of having surgeries on their genitals to make them look more female, more female. And without wanting to sound like yeah. a slut, um, I've, you know, as a dyke, I've, you know, I've um, seen a few over, over the years. They all, they, nobody's got, you know, genitalia that look women have look all sorts of different you know Absolutely. sorry i just had a knock on my door um all sorts of variations so it's just nonsense um the, the whole issues with with testosterone levels is just so arbitrary and nonsense as well mm. there are women if if you look at me for example i've got androgenic sensitivity syndrome i naturally had high testosterone levels but my body doesn't respond well to the testosterone. I don't think anybody would think that I'm going to have some sort of advantage in a 800 metres, a 100 metres 
or, or anything like that. Um, although I did do pretty well in shot put, but hell, I am Maltese. Uh, um, you know, it's just nonsense. So if, if a woman was born with, you know, great lung capacity or big feet if they're a swimmer or, or whatever, then that's okay. But if their variation mm. happens to be, you know, high testosterone levels, then, oh, my God, stop it. They're not really a woman because they've got high t- – it's just – they're a woman. Let them participate. It's just nonsense. It's, it's, and it's disgusting. Well, absolutely. and it's only, and it tends to be women, and for that matter, women of color that are mm. that are questioned about their about their sex. Well, that, that's exactly right. There's this combination of interphobia, gender stereotypes, um, sexism, and elements of, of racism. You know, coming uh, well, not elements, outright racism coming in yeah. there as well. All those elements, um, you know, that you know come into it and of course you know you mentioned males going beyond intersex of course michael phelps whose body processes lactic acid more yeah. efficiently is never questioned he's um, um an amazing hero and a record breaker and all the rest of it so there is all of that there but and it is... then there's the whole nonsense that well we should be competing in separate games like there should oh. be this whole it i mean how, po- how disgusting honestly some people some people are just vile well, yes, I heard a certain commercial radio shock jock um, throw that one up the other day, and I won't even go any further into detail because yeah, we don't want to give yeah. commercial radio shock jocks any more power than they have, and this is our time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to come back to a point you you raised that um, is so important. Um, you know, you said the words quite rightly, but sadly, still happening today. This is, I think, what a lot of yeah. people don't get. Oh, well, that was years ago. Aren't we more, in inverted commas, enlightened now? Unfortunately, we are not. Um, even without, let's say, before we get the legislation you hope for, which I want to talk about the detail and other things in a, in a second, what can people do now that might possibly prevent an unnecessary surgery. How can people be allies? I'll start by saying now, today, 15 yep. October, with yep. uh, August, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, um, not Marty or Doc in the future, 15 August, yep. um, you know, what can people do now to start um, sort of building that allyship towards intersex? intersex? Yeah, well, definitely, you know, look up intersex uh, on social media and, and also our really strong allies like Equality Australia, and be part of be part of that network and email email lists so that when the campaign ramp ramps up that they can contact politicians to support us. It's important that LGBT organizations are genuine allies with mm. intersex people. And it's been, if I can be completely honest, mm-hmm. it has been a bit disappointing in recent years with some groups. It's fantastic with, with others. Like, you know, if I talk about this, the um, switchboard, for example, or um, Drummond Street or the Pride Centre, absolutely fantastic and genuine, genuine allyship and support with um, intersex community. But if I look at other groups like, um, and I was going to say VGLRL, but they're not called that anymore. Victorian Pride, Pride Lobby. Victorian yeah. Pride Lobby. Um, you know, they which they've just basically cast aside intersex and and even when it comes to their local government campaigns they're like oh well they're not going to include intersex so if they're campaigning to a council to to raise the rainbow flag and trans flag they won't advocate for intersex flag which is just stupid um so just be a genuine ally it doesn't if in your advocacy for lgbt why not be why not include uh, intersex and work with ERA, so the Intersex Human Rights Australia, and IPSA, Intersex Peer Support Australia. Yep. Give you... us platforms where we can where we can 
talk and educate people, raise awareness about these sex yeah. issues. So well, let, let's, you know, we've given the broad brushstroke principles of allyship, which are sort of about listening, or some people say walking beside um, the people yeah, in question. Amplifying. But let's drill into that a little, because I think that's important. Um, you know, we're sort of awareness is one thing. What does what are some practical, specific steps that people can start doing to take this to the next level, um, whether it's you know service provision or anything else? What what sort of other things do you need where people can start ad- doing that allyship work and sharing the emotional labour? Yeah, so it really is about engaging with intersex organisations and and our people, our workers. So you know the whole idea of nothing about us without mm-hmm. us so and, and it's it's by doing more than just including the i when you're talking about lgbti issues mm-hmm. it's actually about thinking about well what service provision are we doing and are we including it properly for example if the rainbow tick god bless the rainbow tick i mean i love the <laughs> rainbow tick for lgbt stuff but it doesn't include intersex so when i hear of groups saying yeah we got the rainbow tick we're now lgbti inclusive well no you're not you know, and, and I've seen local governments as an example that, you know, get a rainbow tick, they say LGBTI, and they've got nothing in for intersex. And the most obvious thing I could think of for local governments, um, and, you know, I'm a city councillor, the most obvious thing I could think of for local governments for intersex is maternal child health nurses uh, at that area, and making sure that they understand what intersex is, understanding referral pathways so that they can refer and um parents of intersex children to intersex networks uh, and supports. Just not that hard, but that doesn't, that often, well, it really happens to be honest. Um, things like um, education programs and, and often LGBTI organisations, particularly large ones. Sorry, I forgot to mention Thorn Harbour Health and they've been wonderful as well for a great ally for intersex. Oh, okay. um, if they get funding to do LGBTI training, well, how about working and funding intersex groups to provide and assist them with the with intersex training, as an you know, as an example. Mm-hmm. So you're actually helping to build capacity for intersex. We intersex movement gets very little funding. Mm. Um, that's that's growing thankfully. I mean in some parts, and particularly Victoria and again I'll acknowledge the Victorian state government for that. But if you compare that with you know LGBT funding, it's it is very, very low. Um and in other states, if we look at God, New South Wales, um basically nothing. There's 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 no funding. Well, yeah, look, there's a few things there. I mean I'm trying to keep myself out of it, but in terms of the rainbow yeah. tick, rest assured there are plenty of bi plus and trans and gender diverse people who are not happy with that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so I wanted to really make sure we um you know sort of get that on the record. Some are, some aren't. Yeah. Um, um just to be clear there. Um, and this actually came up in a meeting I was on during the week, to be honest, which is why oh, it's still go. fresh in my mind. Um, but I've written out lots of stuff, um, you know, sort of as you were talking and also more, lots more comments in from Hofler. Um, so, oh, um, Hof, um, you know, sort of um, um, Hofler's saying strong words by Tony. Um, did Tony use the word slut? Um and keeping it real, oh, keeping it real, love the honesty. But then we get to the two questions that um, Hoffler's had in, which I think are, are really good. Um, I'll, I'll do them in a, an order that's logical. Um, the first question, what does Tony think of our media? And by our media, I'm talking, you know, LGBTIQA plus sort of com- so-called community media, i.e. Joy FM. What improvements can be made there, if any? 
Um, Joy, sorry, my headset is picking up on my my phone, which is ringing. Um, Joy FM have been like, wow, Sally, Sally, you and I go back and have been on Joy for you know I don't know twenty one years ago or something. Um, so Joy have been very very supportive of us um, of intersex, and we've even got a presenter that's intersex that has a has an intersex oh. program. The 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 I, I I think that the LGBTI press has been really very good and very inclusive and very supportive of, of intersex, even actually even in local government elections recent uh, last year and throughout. So, sorry, my phones are going off. Um, we can um, have a have a quick breather if you like um, and play a track, or we can keep going. Yeah, please. Sorry about that. That's all right. We'll sorry. just have that quick breather. So um, let's just um, have some um, music and I'll pick a track um, just for a couple of seconds. And um, the situation is that today is the 52nd anniversary of the start of Woodstock. So I'm going to um, have some Crosby, Stills and Nash. And well, appropriately enough, because we want to make some intergenerational change, Teach your children. 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3CR.org.au, and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Tony Briffer. You who are on the road must have a code. That you can live by And so Become yourself Because the past Is just a goodbye Teach Your children well Their father's hell Did slowly go by And feed them on your dreams The one they picked The one you know by Don't you ever ask them why If they told you you would cry So just look at them and sigh And know they Look at them and sigh And know they love 
3CR 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. And yes, on the anniversary of the start of Woodstock, teach your children well and well, um, teach the adults not to um, put unnecessary interventions on intersex children. And that leads back into our guest for um, this afternoon, the inimitable Tony Briffer, um, who's calling it like it is. And there are a couple of things that um, we um, still to discuss. So we you know, touched on the rainbow tick, um, remembering that opinions on this show are my own. But... Um, <laughs> Um, um, but um, there is also another important tick that we wanted to mention that I think is really important. Tell us about the yellow tick and yeah, why so it's called yellow. The community is developing a yellow tick. Um, so organisations, if they want to show that they are genuinely, you know, inclusive of, of intersex, so they can actually seek um, yellow tick certification. So the Victorian government has given us some funding to develop that. So it's in development at the moment, but looking forward to that being rolled out, well, probably early next year. Yep. I was, I was going to ask, I mean, you know, of course the, a nice time to release it might be the two intersex days in October, November, but yes, probably not yeah. quite ready yet, but hopefully touch wood, fingers, toes, everything we can crossed. We'll have a midsummer in our, Usual time slot next year, and maybe around then <laughs> could be the cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be that would be amazing. Yeah, all right. Um, now, hopefully, and had... also, I just wanted to clarify yep. when I said you know, did we use the word slut earlier? That wasn't certainly wasn't slut shaming, it's slut pride, I guess. Fair enough. Yep, thanks for <laughs> clarifying. Yeah, sure. Now, Hoffler had another question. Um, I'll come back on to the intersex reforms in a second, but I'll clear the, clear the decks, so to speak, as they say in um, radio, or I think it was Reverend Lovejoy said that on his show on The Simpsons. But anyway, um, <laughs> what prominent people does Tony admire and why? Oh, wow. Prominent people do I admire? Well, I don't think it'll be any sports people for, that I will <laughs> for the outset. Um, wow, what prominent people do I admire? Um, oh, that's a really that's a really tough one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna. You can pass on it oh, for this, now, and we'll, we'll plan. Oh, you know. Only only because this this is going to sound really a bit wacky for for most people in the LGBTI community, but people like and you know. It's hard to get the Catholic schoolgirl out of, out of me, I guess. And I, you know, was raised Catholic and went to a girls' school and all that sort of stuff. But I, you know, the nuns that I had as a, as a kid were pretty awesome. And I just can't help but think of Mary McKillop as well. And I just do think of them as feminists and awesome people that you know just wanted to educate women to become, you know, fiercely independent and self sufficient, and you know, but with a good conscience. So I actually. I'm going to say someone like that. There Fair you go. Enough. Yeah, no, 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 totally okay. And of it's... course, your your um, you know, sort of you know admired people are yours. And I mean, um... it certainly won't be Tony Abbott. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, um, moving right along. Yes. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Coming coming back onto the state reforms, um, you know, sort of, I wanted to come back to two things. First up, the, you know, your aim of to have a panel. Now, obviously, that would have to move, you know, bec- uh, may have to move. We'll say if someone, you know, a child is recognised with an intersex variation that's visible at birth, um, yes. you know, then 
you know, there has to be a very um, sort of rapid response if there could be a genuine medical emergency, I suppose, is... Um, yeah, and, and, and that's the nice nuance about this. So, and, and keep in mind that the the draft bill hasn't, hasn't been drafted yet. So we've, we've, or Equality Australia has been undertaking all the consultations and they'll be providing a recommendation to the state government. But the the way it'll be is if there's any sort of medical intervention want, want, um, that's considered, it will have to go to a panel for a, a an assessment of that one of that particular case. So it'll be objective. Um, it'll be you know considered. There'd be I'm hoping there'll be a child advocate involved. Um, there'll be intersex representative mm. involved as well as clinicians and human rights people. So it won't just be clinicians as it is at the moment that mm. make the decision and, and invariably they say, yes, let's go. Um, but also importantly, there'll be certain interventions that just will be prohibited. So at the moment, at the moment, you know, 2021 at the Royal Children's Hospital, a little girl can have her clitoris surgically reduced in size. Mm. Um, similarly, at the moment, a young baby intersex boy could be, and I'm talking about, you know, three weeks old, could be subjected to testosterone injections um, to ensure that, well, hopefully ensured by doctors, that, um, you know, the child identifies as male, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Those will be prohibited. You know, there is there is no way that reducing a girl's clitoris should be legally, you know, possible. There's... That's not medically required, so that shouldn't happen. But if there's a variation, and one of the one of the issues with it might be that a a child has a hypospadias, so that you know the 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 child is a boy and the penis opening isn't at the tip; it's you know along the shaft or at the base or whatever. And doctors want to operate, then that's a, probably a contested space, and then that would have to be considered by the panel. Right. Yeah, look, I think this is really important because I think that whilst there is sort of, as you've mentioned with some of the organisations who are doing it well, there's a an increased understanding of Intersex 101. A lot of people perhaps don't quite, you know, understand. And I'd, I'd say I don't um, at yeah. times, um, you know, beyond that 101. And, you know, um, we all need to keep learning. We, we all don't know what we yeah. don't know, but we've got to get to that point where we know more. I had one other question um, before I was... I have two more thoughts that have come to mind. The variations that perhaps sometimes don't get talked about as much, if there is, and I'm going to say if there is something to be talked about, are those that are less visible at birth. Um, we all know about yes. the surgeries and the yep. damaging effects, but we often talk about hormonal and genetic, including chromosomes. What are the um, situations there that um, can happen as well? Because I think sometimes... Well, I'm glad you said of... that because I keep forgetting that most people don't even realise that Atypical genitalia is only only present in about a quarter of all intersex cases. Ah. So, yeah, most people just automatically assume that intersex is about atypical genitalia, and it's not. So most, you know, I, you know, I don't consider myself as having atypical genitalia, for example. Um, most, yes, so most of my partners wouldn't have even known that there was anything different mm. about me. Um, so, yeah, so for a lot of us, it's not even about atypical genitalia. So it could be a girl. Um, similar to the way that I was born, that that is has, you know, female genitalia and and um, and vagina etc. But in 
you know, rather than having ovaries internally, they've got testes internally. So um, is there a need to remove those testes in a baby? Well, not immediately, um, and maybe perhaps not even ever. But so, so the plan should be to wait until the child can provide consent, mm-hmm. and then they can decide whether they want to remove them or not. There are benefits even for that in that situation for a girl to retain her testes, because in in the case of androgen insensitivity syndrome, so it sounds very pathologized, but that's what it's that's what also my variation is called. Mm-hmm. The the testes, yes, they produce testosterone. Uh, they don't produce semen, but they produce testosterone, and the, our bodies naturally convert that testosterone to estrogen. So it actually make, means that we just go through a natural feminizing puberty, um, rather than having to, you know, be on hormone replacement therapy from, you know, through, to to cause puberty and then for the rest of our lives. Yep. Now we've had another listener come in, one of our another awesome listener, um, Xavier. Thanks for the show, Sally. And I totally agree with Tony's words. Having been, um, I will say, content warning here, to, but still use the quote here: "Botched up at birth myself." And as far as the rainbow oh. tick thing, some people or organisations use it, um, who use it, seem to not practice its use all the time, yeah. but simply use it as a workplace emblem in my experience. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've yep. got the rainbow sticker on the door. We've got the rainbow tick. Yes. And I've heard plenty of that from, from the trans perspective in particular as well. So t- first of all, if, um, you know, all the you know safe distance hugs to UWF for, um, you know, what you went through and yes, totally affirm as an individual um, comments there. Tony, your thoughts on, on that one? Yeah, with, um, firstly, I'm really sorry about your your experience, and I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you're still here, that you're a survivor, and I hope yeah, feel free to contact me um, directly if you like. Um, yeah, rainbow tick. The other thing I'd say about rainbow tick is, you know, as as a council, a, a council can get the rainbow tick for the delivery of of you know hope of food to homes, for, you know, and so the rainbow tick is purely about that. And or or maybe even about youth services, but they advertise it as though the whole council has got rainbow tick and that all their services are LGBTI inclusive, mm. but that's far from the case. So I would always look at the, 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 the scope of the rainbow tick as well. And this sounds like I'm rainbow tick bashing, which I, I mean, I'm not. And I, I appreciate people getting it but and organisations getting it, but it's not the big picture. And it certainly doesn't mean that if you've got that tick that you know, you miraculously somehow now, you know, are LGBTI inclusive because, well, again, it doesn't include the I, probably doesn't include the B. And, um, yeah, it's it's about, I mean, if I talk about Hobson's Bay and I'm not speaking on behalf of the council, but mm-hmm. I'm a councillor at Hobson's Bay, I can say that Hobson's Bay does not have a rainbow tick, but it would have to be one of the most LGBTI councils in in the world, I'm actually going to say. And, you know, we've done everything in Hobson's Bay from looking at our website, making sure there's no, you know, heteronormative mm-hmm. content. You're like, it just assumes everyone's heteronormative. We've got all sorts of, you know, LGBTI plans in place and, you know, everything. Just honestly, and, and, and we've been doing it for so long that our council staff just automatically mm. think about doing all of those things. We've also, you know, hosted and sponsored the um, Better Together conferences in Hobson's. I mean, it's just, I'm just so, and are we, do we have the rainbow tick? Well, no, but I give them a big rainbow tick. I I can tell you that. 
Yep. Um, look, um, a few things, and we are beginning to get near to the end of our of the show. Um, so um, Hoff has come back with comments, um, just nothing wacky at all. That's your journey, a great answer about <laughs> Mary McKillop. Um, I'm not religious, but respect groups who have a strong social conscience. The Sikh community has been extraordinary during COVID by giving out meals to disadvantaged groups. Um, please yeah. tell Tony that, um, Tony's answer was valid. Madonna has also I nun, n- Madonna has also admired nuns in interviews as a Catholic girl oh, as well. Awesome! There you so go. There you, there you go. You're definitely well, you're both in equally good company. <laughs> I love them. I, I can't say the same for priests, I, I, unfortunately. But the sisters that I had, and I'm I'm actually still in touch with that. Even when you know, here I am, a big bloody queer intersex person, you know, dyke and all that stuff. But when when I was elected mayor. The local nuns sent me the most beautiful card to congratulate me. Um, from I'm going to cry just thinking of, they're just beautiful. They're just gorgeous. Yep. Now the last thing I had is coming. I've sort of come full circle, um, and um, you know we do obviously want to get these reforms through. And as you said, Victorian government has been supportive. There's an ALP majority in the lower house of the Victorian Parliament. And the upper house, you know, we've seen has some three good particular individuals, Samantha Ratnam from the Greens, Fiona Patton, Reason Party, and Andy Medic, um, Animal yep. Justice. Um, but there are other crossbenchers in the Liberals. And, of course, the more you can get cross-partisan support, um, it's, um, you know, better. So what are the, you know, I know it's early days yet, but has there been communication with those, um, the full gamut of politicians um, from across the whole spectrum? political spectrum, so to speak? Not, not not yet. I'm happy to work with and, you know, meet with and educate, you know, yeah. as many politicians as possible. I mean, I, I, w- I would like to think, and I'm not coming into into this with any expectations that the Liberals are going to oppose us, and I know that sounds really strange, mm-hmm. but, but I've conservative politicians have realised that intersex people are just born this this way and yeah. we, need, we need protection. And, and some of the Liberal politicians have known me for for a, a long time I went to university with with one of them and um, I I know some of the liberals in the in Western metropolitan so um, I, I would like to think that they would understand that this we're not talking about you know and and don't, don't get me wrong obviously got nothing no, no problem with LGBT but this is not about sexual orientation this is not about you mm. know gender identity or the you know trans wars or anything like that this is about children born this way and parents born with children this way and the importance of supporting them to maintain their physical health their human rights the relationships that they have as a family between parents and children um, because all of these horrible interventions that that need to be stopped and need to be considered before they're engaged in, um, have a horrible effect on relationships and, and families and the well-being of intersex people. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm hoping that they will be pretty open-minded and respectful of that and supportive of the legislation. Yep. Um... But that said, I know that the Royal Children's Hospital are fighting this. Um, mm. they, they want to continue doing these surgeries on children they want to continue doing other uh, hormonal interventions so god knows what discussions and what lobbying the royal children's hospital are doing and please don't think that it's a royal children's hospital bashing exercise by me it's they they do lots and lots and lots of great work and i know 99 percent of their work is fantastic but when it comes to intersex people they they are still our abusers and um that needs to change 
ideally it would have changed just by them wanting to change but it's it's going to take the legislation to to cause this change and and i'm hoping that within a couple of years they realize that this is actually the best way forward that they could apologize for the stuff that, that they've, they've done um and that we can work better together moving on yep hoffler's come in with more comments as we get towards the end um it's a great testament <laughs> to the people in your constituency that they've elected you yes um you don't i'm not sure yes you don't need it um no alp members question mark thought steve demopoulos was a supporter um so um and tony's asked who you went to uh hoffler's asked who you went to university with which um you of course you don't have to say um, yeah yeah i actually I actually was in the student union with uh, with David Southwick, ah. so he he's he he knew me you know you know thirty years ago, um, and and I'd like to think that he's he'd be understanding um, of of my situation and also supportive of you know protecting people from going through what I went through as a child. Fair enough. All right, one one very last thing, Tony, for all the obvious and totally affirm the challenges and stuff that's thrown at intersex what are the positives that you know your intersex experience has brought to you and that perhaps intersex people bring to society beyond the fact that of course everyone has unique skills and things yep what what would you like to throw in there because i think that is important that we keep some focus on that thanks sally And, and i the biggest thing for me it's 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 funny it's a double edged sword the stuff that i went through as a child at the Royal Children's Hospital, um, whilst awfully difficult, it also made me, you know, certainly more compassionate and understanding, particularly of people with difference and people with disabilities and people that, you know, can't speak for themselves. So even in my, my maintenance speech as a, as a counsellor, you know, in 2008, they're the people that I, that I remember, the kids that I went to, I get upset when I talk about it still, but that I was in a hospital with that um, were, were very ill. Um, I'm lucky. I'm so lucky that I, I didn't actually have a, a terminal illness or any illness, really. Um, and certainly they did. And I just I just want to I've always wanted to to try and help people to going going through that. And and by, I don't know, going through what I did, I guess it's made me a very strong, passionate believer of, of human rights. That's a fair pick up that empathy that, you know, OK, I've been through stuff just for being who I am. Why should anyone else have to endure it? I think that's a great note and you know, having that, you know, thinking beyond your own experience and looking for that commonality of just let's be kind to people. What a good note to finish on. Tony, we are unfortunately out of time than we barely, you know, but I think we covered the objectives. We'll keep in touch with you and please keep in touch with the show and three C R on upcoming campaigns. Um, I'm just going to take us out with the track. Um, um, so hang on to the Zoom for just a second. And um, we talk, we've talked a lot about bodies today, so I'll take it out with Eiffel 65 from way back in the 90s and move <laughs> your body. Tony, thanks for your time on the show today. And um, I'll be, um, of course, well, should be back next week um, so with more gooists. Coming up, um, Freedom of Species, Harley McDonald Eckersall from Animal Rebellion on their campaign demanding McDonald's goes totally plant-based by 2025. So 3CR Diverse Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.